Hello, everybody. You're listening to a new episode of Living with TBI. So it's been, I guess, a few weeks since I recorded. Uh, it takes a lot for me to sit down, plan out exactly what I'm going to record. It's been a huge issue ever since my injury. Before my injury, uh, for those that don't know, I began podcasting in 2005. So I began podcasting when podcasting was a foreign word. And I remember having to tell people exactly what a podcast was. And when I began podcasting, it was centered around video games and just the geek culture, because I'm a huge geek. So when I used to tell people, yeah, I do this thing called podcasting, and then I would explain what podcasting is, and they would say, oh, so it's like a radio show, but on the internet? And I said, eh, it's pre-recorded, but eventually there will be moments, or there will be a moment where People can do a podcast live, so it would be sort of like a radio show. And then I would ask, uh, excuse me, then they would ask me what it was that I was podcasting about. I would tell them it was about video games, and they would look at me as if I was strange. Because <laughs> I'm 51 now, so in 2005, I'm not going to do the math because I can't, but at that time, me being in my 30s, it was a little unusual for somebody to, at my age anyway, to openly say, I do any kind of content creation of, around video games because they, back then, being someone who played video games a lot meant that you lived in your mother's basement or that you were weird or, or antisocial and you had issues, which we all do, by the way. But as someone who grew up in the 70s and witnessed the explosion of the arcades in New York City, saw the birth of video game consoles, I knew that that stereotype was only a small portion of the entire culture of video games. So that's as far as I'm going to go about talking. I'm going to keep going about video games. So I apologize. But I guess what I was trying to say originally is that because I, I 18 years of experience in podcasting, I was able to sit down. I didn't write a script. I didn't really have a plan every time I sat down to record a podcast. Now, I've done way over a thousand episodes throughout the 18 years. And I've been in, there, there was one year where I was in three different podcasts a week. So I have a lot of experience in podcasting so much that I can do everything on the fly. I could come up with a show idea. I had a guest host um, as much as six on an episode where it would be six of us talking about certain topics. And I had to learn how to uh, 
figure out each individual and figure out what ticks for those individuals to participate in the conversation. And I had to navigate all six of those people because everyone had a different opinion, different personalities. And I would do that on the fly with little effort. And that was due to the real life experience of dealing with, you know, different personalities in schools and you know, friends, things of that nature. But now if I try to podcast at all, even if it's for a 20 minute episode, it takes days for me to get the motivation to figure out what I'm going to do. This particular episode was two weeks in the making. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate that I can sit, still sit down. Now I have an idea before I actually record what I want to talk about. And because it's, it's usually about TBI, there's really no script. I'm just talking about all the things that go on. So there's no pre-made script of what I'm going to talk about. Nothing is organized. I guess that reflects my mental state right now. So I want to talk about things that I miss. But before I get to that, I do want to give a small update as to my current state with TBI. I've had a few near incidents. There was, uh, see, for me, it, the noise sensitivity is, I guess, going to be with me till I die. And so I'm so stubborn that I refuse to wear my headphones, my noise cancellation headphones. I refuse to wear them when I'm out simply because when I'm amongst friends or when I'm with family, I just don't feel right. See, because I'm 51, I grew up in a time where there was no cell phones, where everyone enjoyed their, uh, each other's company. There wasn't a moment where we were all sitting around in silence or listening to music. Now, granted, some of us had Walkmans, if, you know, some of us who could afford it at the time. And you would have, you know, an occasional friend listening to music as we're all together. But for the most part, everyone was living in the moment, enjoying the company, telling stories, and just living life. So I'm still from that old school mentality, or I still live with that old school mentality. And it, it just really, it gets to the point where it really causes depression. And my counselor, she tells me it's a grieving, is a form of grieving that I continue to fight it. And what I mean by fight it, I mean fighting the fact that I have to wear my headphones. Now I have the Apple AirPods. So they're really good with noise cancellation and they're small, and everybody's walking around with them on. They have a transparency mode, so you can still listen to your surroundings and have a conversation. So I wear those, 
when things get noisy, but the thing is, when something surprises me, uh, and I'm talking about noise, something startles me, I get into fight mode. Fight or flight sets in, but I get into fight mode, and my heart rate goes up, my adrenaline increases, and I'm ready to fight, I guess. <laughs> so, someone had told me the reason why we have higher sensitivity in certain areas after a brain injury is because it's compensating for something. And that really stuck with me. And then I realized last week that I have a really, I don't know how to put this, but I have a loud ringing that doesn't go away in my ears. So I guess that's where the sensitivity issue comes in. It's compensating because I have this constant noise. And it only happens when I have the noise cancellation headphones on at night and I have no music playing and I'm laying down. I can hear it. It's just, uh, it's prominent. So my problem is that I wait for something to startle me before I put on the headphones. And that's, I guess, the word I'm trying to find, um, if I can find it. But in other words, that doesn't make a lot of sense because the damage is done. My heart rate's already up. My adrenaline is already up. And so it defeats the purpose. I guess that's the word I was trying to find earlier. So I have to learn that as soon as I step outside, I need to wear these damn things and just live with the idea. Well, not the idea, with the fact that this is my new normal. But it's really, it really goes against everything that I've, I've experienced. I've experienced or I believe in, and that is enjoying the moment, enjoying the people that, are, that you're with at the moment, and creating new experiences with people that you enjoy being around, friends, family. And having those headphones on, that really defeats everything I believe in. But unfortunately, I have to do it. And when those situations happen, it, it just brings me down, naturally. So the incident I was talking about, my wife and I went to go sh food shopping. We enter this like little mini mall. It's an indoor mini mall in Queens. We go inside. We hear a loud screeching scream. I jump. I literally jump. And my wife goes, put on the headphones, put on the headphones. So it stopped. So I go, no, it stopped. We pull up to the entrance of the, the BJs. And the person who was screaming like that was a teenage boy who happened to be right behind me. And he does it a few feet from my ear. So when he did this loud screeching scream, which for no reason at all, he just decided to do it. 
I once again got startled and I start staring at him face to face and his friend uh, puts his hand on the kid's chest and goes, stop doing that. And then my wife has my arm and she's trying to pull me so that we can go into the, into, to the BJ's and you know, I, I don't have to get into any confrontation. So I, I, pull away we go inside the bj's i'm pushing the cart i couldn't handle it anymore and i lost my temper and i picked the cart up a few feet off the ground and i slammed it back on its wheels and i started yelling you know telling her i can't take this shit and uh this shit anymore so i was able thankfully to calm myself down um, which I guess is an accomplishment because for those that know me, they've all stated that I, some, some people actually never saw me get angry and I've known people, you know, I still have, I'm thankful to still have friends, uh, for way over 30 plus years. So a lot of them never saw me angry. And in the past, when I got angry, it took a lot for me to calm down. It took hours because people like us who tend to be very even keel, we hold a lot of things in. So when we finally lose it, it takes us a little while. So I guess I have to use the mentality that it was a huge accomplishment for me to cut out that anger immediately. I guess I needed something to slam. <laughs> I guess slamming the cart to the ground was a, was a way to vent because there were other incidents, smaller incidents leading to that, but that kid just was the, 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 the pin that popped the balloon. And I don't know what, what would have happened if my wife wasn't there because when he yelled like that, I, I, I immediately turned around and everybody just froze and was like, holy shit, what, what's gonna go on now? <laughs> so I'm not really that type of person that did that normally. So obviously when you have a brain injury, things change. Your personality changes, and once again, the sensitivity increases certain uh, parts of your system that were never heightened before. Now, I worked on elevators. I did construct, you know, there's several different uh, subcategories when you are an elevator technician. So you could do construction, which means you're at a construction site building an elevator from scratch. Or you are doing modifications, meaning there's an old elevator and you're basically taking out all of the internals and putting in newer stuff. And then there's maintenance, so on and so on. I did all of those 
subcategories as an elevated technician. So when I tell you I was surrounded by noises, there was always drilling, there was always a buzzsaw going off, you have loud machinery, some of these elevators used generators and those are loud. <laughs> so when you have a generator ringing in your, in your ear for hours because you're working on some electrical components in an elevator room, you are, for me, fully accustomed to noises. And plus, I worked in the New York housing projects where being in a crowd of people, being in the middle of a crowd, a hostile crowd sometimes because you're the elevator technician and the elevators are down and people got to walk up 20 flights of stairs and they're looking at you angry. In those situations, I excelled because none of those people bothered me. I kept my cool. I spoke to people even though they were angry and eventually they couldn't be angry at me anymore. So I was always composed. I was always comfortable in those type of, type of environments. It was the weirdest thing. So now a crowd of three people, it makes me paranoid. It makes me paranoid. So I come from a background where all of these issues that I'm dealing with now were never an issue before my injury. And my wife knows that. She sees what I go through. She sees how I jump. Uh, as a matter of fact, my niece, we went to her house, and uh, she had a barbecue. Went to her house, and I told my wife, I said, you know, hopefully the noise isn't crazy. Nothing surprises me. I'm going to go. Because I wasn't going to go. But I said, you know what? I, I want to go. I haven't been to her house yet. So I want to go. So we went. It began to rain, so everybody had to go inside. And there was two dogs <laughs> that her family brought over, my wife's side of the family. So I, I tell my wife, I go, I hope none of them begin barking because it's going to set me off. <laughs> but the difference is I know they're there. So... If they start barking, the noise will just, uh, I know this is just funny to say, but the noise would just pierce through my head, but it won't startle me because I know that the possibility of one of those dogs barking is there. So if I'm somewhat aware of the situation, I'm not startled. So for the most part, things were okay. I didn't even have to wear my headphones. One of the dogs did bark. It pierced through my freaking head, but it stopped immediately. So I was like, okay. So I went with my brother-in-law. He had his dog with him. We we're going to take him to a, uh, for a walk. So I said, yeah, let me go outside with you and let me get some fresh air and and let me be in an open space because I'm starting to get claustrophobic. So as we're walking outside, his dog made some noise that I was not expecting. <laughs> it was almost like a sneeze 
and a bark at the same time. And I jumped. My brother-in-law didn't see it, but my niece saw it. So a few days later, she told my wife that she saw what happened. And she felt so bad for me because now she realized the impact. Because once again, I was always a, a very even keel tempered person. And when she saw me jump like that, and she's a nurse, so she knew right away, holy crap, the reality set in that I do have some, you know, that my injury has affected me. Um, so a lot of family members still haven't seen that. And that goes into the things that I miss. I miss... And I talked about it earlier, being able to just sit down and create, record a podcast for a few hours and have a bunch of people on and be, and you know, part of the reason why I don't have anybody else on my podcast is because I can edit myself. There's been a few times in this recording where I had to stop recording to recompose myself and then I would continue when I was ready. When there's other people, I have to go and edit for an hour or, or two, and I can't do that. The last time I did a podcast with my friends, it was about five of us, we did a two-hour podcast, and when I sat down to edit, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So after a month of trying to edit this podcast, I, I told them, I said, look, this podcast is not going up. So I miss that. I miss going to clubs. Now, granted, I'm 51 years old, so I can't, I'm not at the age. And, and, and listen, just because I'm 51 doesn't mean I can't go out and enjoy the club scene. It would be a little weird, but, you know, there's clubs for people in our age range anyway. But once again... As soon as I turned 18, I was at clubs twice a week, sometimes three times a week. It even got to the point where I worked at one of the most famous bars in New York City, the Pyramid. And unfortunately, they closed it. But in Alphabet City, I was security. So I would... I lived the club life I enjoyed it so much but I outgrew it and once you know I became a husband and a father I, I, I knew that I had enough of the club scene that I enjoyed and I don't need it anymore but I I was invited last year to see one of the New York Giants games at a bar with some friends and I couldn't go. I told him, I said, I can't be in an environment where there's loud music, where there's loud people, <laughs> people drinking, because I don't drink. So I said, no, I, I can't do that. Number one, I got to drive to New Jersey, which the traffic will already set the fight or flight. And then when people are being themselves at a bar, 
I don't know how I'm going to react. So I can't even I can't even go to see one of my best friends perform. She's in a band. She's always inviting me to go see her perform. And we've known each other since I was 18 years old. And I if it makes me feel bad whenever I have to tell her no, I can't go. I can't. So I miss those type of activities. Just being able to go with friends, family, at a venue where there's music, where there's a crowd of people. When I went to Florida last year with my wife, and uh, we, we went to take my mom out to dinner, but we had to spend 30 minutes, minutes, excuse me, we had to spend 30 minutes calling up restaurants to see if they have live music or loud music because I had to be careful where we went. So I miss just being able to go to any random place, regardless of the noise level, and have a good time. And I live in New York City, and that's one of the benefits of living in New York City. That's another thing I miss. I used to walk around Manhattan with my camera uh, at least three hours a day. I used to just walk around, take photos, document the streets of New York with my camera. I can't do that anymore. I tried a few years ago. I tried walking around Queens with a new camera that I bought. And 30 minutes later, I came, I came back home, and my wife said, what happened? And I told her, I said, I couldn't do it. The, the, my area is very busy, my area of Queens. And I told her, I said, things got crowded. Uh, there was you know, a lot of congestion, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't concentrate on the photography. So now I got to, and thankfully I do so, I do have the capability, we, we have to go somewhere where I can take the camera and just take landscape photography, I mean photos, and, you know, my documentary days are over, basically, because you, you know, when you're doing that type of photography, you have to be out and about looking for opportunities you have to basically hunt for those and i'm in no condition to be around a crowd a crowd in manhattan dealing with all the noise pollution etc etc so i miss that and i miss going to the movies my wife and i we used to go to the movies every freaking weekend and then when my son was born and he was old enough to go to a movie, we in included him in that activity. And I grew up going to the movies. I remember watching Rocky, which was my first movie experience that I can remember. I think it was Rocky II. I remember watching it in the movies with my mom and all I could remember was, you know, Rocky yelling out for Adrian. And 
I started crying. <laughs> so I remember bits and pieces. I remember I was crying, and a man that was in the theater, a few seats away from us, he tells me, oh, don't cry, don't cry, it's a movie. And he gave me a, like a bag of candy or something. And that calmed me down. <laughs> and that was my experience with Rocky. But the point being, I grew up, my, most of my family, we love the movie experience. Unfortunately, nowadays, that movie experience is not the same as it was back in the 80s, back in the 90s. But I miss going to the movies to watch a movie premiere and being surrounded by other people who are there for the same reasons. I even miss waiting online for my popcorn. I miss that experience. And I can't do that. It's risky. I've done it a few times. Uh, the last movie I went to, there were certain scenes I had to turn away and close my eyes because of the lighting and the motion was too fast. Luckily, I was able, for the most part, to enjoy it. I went with my, my wife, my son, and his girlfriend. So we were able to enjoy the experience. It was a movie my son really, really wanted to watch, and so we went. Yeah, but we went not in New York City, but we went in Rhode Island. So there was a lot less people than there would be in New York City. So I missed that as well. And as far as other things, which I can't think about right now, I'm sure you guys have, who are dealing with TBI, you guys have things that you miss that you wish you can get back to. Oh, I, I, do, I did think of one more. I miss my job. I miss my job. I miss being in a hectic environment. I miss getting a call from, from dispatch where they're saying, you know, you got a, an elevator down and there are people stuck in the elevator. I miss getting that call, grabbing my tools, rushing to the place. The elevator's stuck on the 21st floor. We got to walk all the way up. We got to assure the, reassure the, the passengers that are stuck that we're here. We're going to get them out. Sometimes you have to convince the fire department not to break the elevator door. So you got to deal with that. So you got to get there before the fire department because <laughs> they're going to break the elevator door down to get the people out. Where for us, we'll open the door and let the people out with nothing breaking. I miss that hectic environment where the people are in the lobby looking at me and screaming at me. Oh, the elevator's down. It's always down. You guys don't do your job. I miss that. I really do. I, have, I still to this day have dreams about returning to work where people are, in my dream, people are like, wow, you're back. I didn't know you're back. And in, in my dream, I would tell them, I didn't know I was back either. <laughs> so 
once again, my counselor says that's a form of grieving. I'm grieving over the things I can no longer do. And I do really miss my job, which is something a lot of us can't say. So I was very fortunate and at one point unfortunate because that's where I got injured. But for the most part, the elevator trade has given me the capability to take care of my family, learn a whole bunch of skills that I can still somewhat remember. And I'm thankful for that. And if the time comes, well, I'm going to say when the time comes and my head clears up, I can always return to any, basically anywhere in the world and utilize my, my skill, my skill set. So I got to think that way. I have to stay positive and not say if, but say when. And that's something I'm sure all of you have been told. And that's what keeps us going is that positive energy, interacting with other people who are going through the same things. Um, for example, there was a, a conversation my wife and I had where I'm starting to notice, and I just remember this is something I should have told my counselor yesterday. Because of concentration issues, I'm starting to realize that I have to do one. I, well, let me rephrase it. I'm starting to realize that, for example, I could be drinking my coffee and my wife will say something and I'll turn around and say, what? So I've been doing that way too frequently. And naturally, my wife is going to get annoyed that she has to keep repeating herself. So one day she goes, I, I, I keep repeating myself, uh, you know, pay attention. And I got angry to the point where I slammed my fist on, on the nightstand and I said, I forgot what I said, but I walked away because I wasn't mad at my wife. I was just frustrated because Every time I say that, in my head, I'm thinking, pay attention. You sound like an idiot. So then my wife, you know, a few minutes later, I come back. We, we start talking, and I said, you know, my wife apologized. I said, no, don't apologize. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's like I need the energy to concentrate on the thing I'm doing at the moment and I don't have the capacity to to be able to interact with things in my peripheral my surroundings and I said that wasn't happening before and I'm noticing it and it's bothering me so maybe I need to do a better job of paying attention to my surroundings. I don't know. It's just the weirdest thing. 
So I could be, for example, we could be watching TV. And she could say something. And I don't make out the words at all. At the moment, I don't make out the words. So I turn to her and I say, what? (laughs) Well, I say, huh? And then it takes a few seconds to process what she said. But by then it's already too late (laughs) and she's already repeating herself. So sometimes I'll repeat what she said and she goes, oh, but you heard me. So why you asked me to, to repeat it? And that's the thing. It's like there's a delay in my process, in my processing, and it's really annoying. It's really annoying. It's really difficult to talk to people on the phone when I'm not in front of them because if something distracts me as I'm on the phone, and it's a funny thing, I have a habit of walking, pacing back and forth around the house when I'm on the phone. It's something my brother does, my father did it, my son does it. We don't just sit down and talk. We pace around the house and talk on the phone. When I do that, I can't pay attention to the people on the phone. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to learn how to just sit. And and then I'm thinking, oh, I got to get up and walk around. So it's weird. I can't really concentrate when I'm on the phone with somebody trying to set up an appointment, trying to, you know, find out questions or get answers to questions. So yeah, that that's something new that's for the last month I've been dealing with and it is really annoying. So it's something that I have to work on. I'm going to have to tell my psychiatrist and the neurologist about that. And they're just going to tell me that it's part of, you know, the concentration lapse or the lapse in concentration. And and as they say with, with brain injuries, sometimes you'll get a whole new set of issues a few years after the injury. And unfortunately, this is something that I'm hoping with some practice I can overcome. Well, let me, let me scratch that. I will overcome. Remember, we got to stay positive. So I'm starting to get tired. I'm going to wrap it up. I hope everyone is doing well. Stay positive. I know this world makes it tough to, to, to stay positive and to focus on yourself. That's something I discovered after my injury. We don't really take care of ourselves until it's too late. So we got to concentrate on ourselves a lot more, whether you're injured or not. But that's just me you know, given some advice. Uh, But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. You guys take care and I will talk to you later.